0: Cue the banter. Cue the banter. You know what, Gee? I didn't think my mom was going to listen to this show, and uh, she did. And she said to me, "Con, I think you took too long to get to the point.
1: Ha. Huh. I thought she was going
0: to say, I appreciate the swearing. Uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That came later. That was a conversation that we had. But, um, you know, sometimes the banter is good. Sometimes we have to get right to the tactical side of things. And we promised this would be a tactical show, right, Guy? Got to be tactical. Give the people what they want. Well, the key here is we're making potentially the fallacious assumption that people want to come away with this and improve their marketing. That, I leave that to you. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe some of them are, are logging in for the, the witty repartee between the two of us.
1: Well, only one way to find out. Let's dive in to lunch hour legal marketing.
2: Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network.
1: Before we dive into this episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, we would love to take the opportunity to thank our sponsor alert communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7-365, just call 866-827-5568.
0: Okay, so we're going to dive right in. As we promised, this is going to be as tactical as possible. I believe that is the most important thing that we can do for people. One of the things that we started out with, and I said this nicely last time, it was dumb things lawyers do, but that's not what we really called it in our notes. We're going to call it what we called it because I swore in the first episode and we now have that badge of dishonor of parental guidance necessary. So we're going to call this dumb shit lawyers do. So that's feature number one. And you alerted. Well, I actually noticed this on our Google Analytics uh, the other day. Our articles about lawyers of distinction started getting a ton of traffic. And every time that happens, I start to presume that lawyers of distinction has written out another email telling people that they have been nominated for the lawyers of distinction now gee, could you
1: corroborate that for me or not? well I will say this I got an email announcing my uh, glory and being awarded a distinction from the company you mentioned right around the exact same time that I saw I think I don't know if it was on Facebook or Twitter, that you had mentioned and posted that your analytics was up. So, you know, correlation isn't causation, of course, hmm. but uh, it's pretty compelling. I also got forwarded. You don't know this, but I didn't even share this with
0: you before. Someone actually forwarded me a Lawyers of Distinction nomination to them. They're not a lawyer, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So right around. Neither the, is Zippy. Neither is Zippy the chicken. I will get Zippy in here one time. I, I'm going to try and get a, a a webcast at some point in time with Zippy on video so people can meet Zippy. But Zippy's a flighty bird. Hmm. So here's the deal. Lawyers of Distinction. They've just done their another marketing push. Oh, the other one that we found recently. Gee, I don't know if you've seen the ads. Have you been hit with retargeting ads from Lawyers of Distinction? You know, I don't believe so. I I don't think I've actually been to their site. Okay. Well, good. Well, that's a that might be the first tactical recommendation that we can give to lawyers today. Just don't bother going to the Lawyers of Distinction site. The interesting thing what I was going to mention is I'm now getting ads that it, all, all you have to do is click on the ad to be nominated for Lawyers of Distinction. So there's a <laughs> there's a pretty low bar here. Although they did mention that they have a patent pending system in the emails that I was forwarded for choosing Lawyers of Distinction, which might be that you're on the
1: internet. That seems to be the only qualification. Well, and let's uh, generalize too a little bit because I think for uh, you know people that are like not familiar with that particular award. Sure. Let's talk more generally about lawyer awards and badges and plaques and all this stuff that marketing companies sell lawyers to make the lawyers think that they're special. But
0: I think most lawyers actually know that a lot of this is BS, right? So they're, just, a, they're a lawyer. There's just
1: an ego thing, they just love to have
0: this stuff. Well, so here's, this is the downside, and this is where this, I think, becomes problematic. These badges, right, the wheat shafts, the trophies, the, the golden gavels, unfortunately for Joe Consumer, it's actually really difficult to determine whether or not a lawyer is actually a great lawyer. And so we call these trust marks in the industry, and they can mean absolutely nothing, Right? They can, and in the case of lawyers of distinction, it actually does mean nothing. They could be the AV rating which no one outside of the legal industry knows what AV means. AV uh, used to mean the place where the overhead projector was kept in in middle school. That's because I'm 45. But AV rating meant nothing. The AVO rating came in. That was one to 10. We've got the star ratings in Google or Yelp, for example. But then there's all these other things that you're like, what is this? What does this mean? The Million Dollar Advocates Club. There's all sorts of different awards. And so the problem for Joe Consumer is... They don't know any of these ratings. They don't know what any of them mean. And yet it does bestow some level of quality or a perception of quality onto that individual attorney. And that's the problematic part to me
1: right. Well, and that's the real reason I think that I'll, at least that we see when we get our emails from lawyers asking us about this stuff, that's their position, right? I want to be able to use this to persuade my potential clients that, I'm the best lawyer or the AV lawyer or all this, these other um, distinctions. Or <laughs> a super lawyer. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get away from that distinction word, right? like the accoladed lawyer. So what are we telling lawyers about these things? Uh, you're saying no badges, some badges, all the badges. So this is, my, this is partly
0: philosophy and partly pragmatic. My take is, I think these are things are important. I really do. I think they do bestow some level of quality, in the mind of the consumer. I draw the line personally when there is no quality in the award itself, right? And I think that's, I mean, you individual lawyers may take umbrage with that perspective, and I've lost friends over the lawyers of distinction, quote, honor, Um, but my take is you're lawyers, you're educated, you're smart, you should be, have some level of cynicism built into your profession, and so If it smells gross, it probably is gross and it's probably not worth stepping into.
1: Yeah. And I'll add two more kind of considerations for folks that are uh, thinking about whether to sign up or renew. One is, is that the cost, right? I think it's, it's tricky to do an actual ROI analysis on a badge, but some of these things, they're pretty expensive. Um, (laughs) So go find the cheap award, I guess, is my advice there. Like, yeah, because the. The the cheap award that you build with Photoshop, if you, you
0: may as well do the same. If you're going to buy a, a BS badge and you know it's a BS badge, why don't you just Photoshop your own golden leaf or or golden gavel and you know gee, you could be gee's mom favorite lawyer award, right?
1: Right. Um, and then the other thing is in the context of making a decision about, you know, badges in general and their impact is don't forget your rules of professional conduct. So, you know, on top of that, we should just be doing the right thing. There are ethics rules that I probably apply here. False, misleading, communications about a lawyer services all come to mind, especially if it's, you know, something, uh, an award that's using superlatives or some kind of certification that your state bar does not Actually, recognize you might get yourself into trouble there. So, just another thing to think about in making a decision about badges.
0: I'm curious, and this is not being Socratic here. Mm-hmm. I am unaware, with the exception of the huge outcry that some bars had with the AVA rating, which was that one to ten score of a, an attorney's resume. I'm unaware of any state bars going after individual awards.
1: Well, what happens is they don't go after the awards; they go after the lawyer, right? So they don't. The state bar doesn't regulate the award company. So what they do is, what actually happens is your competitor reports you for some kind of violation. And the state bar sends you a letter saying, hey, take this down because it's false and misleading. That's what happens most of the time. I will tell you there are some high profile ones, not necessarily in the uh, badges context, but there, and I I haven't checked in on this. This would actually be a good episode for us. There's actually a case, I think it's in Pennsylvania, of a client suing the law firm for fake Google reviews. So there's so mm. the the theory of the case is I wouldn't have hired this lawyer if not right. for these fake Google reviews. That's false and misleading. I was, that's basically fraud. So you're su- they're suing the lawyers. And that's working its way. I think it's working its way through. I don't know if that got resolved yet, but uh, that might be an interesting one to look at.
0: So are you suggesting some of the reviews aren't genuine?
1: Yeah, that we, you know, that's a... <laughs> We don't have time to cover that one. Oh,
0: yeah, okay. Um, just as we touch in on Avo, I'm gonna use this as a very smooth segue into our listeners ask segment. Okay, so last week we asked you guys to submit questions to us. Um, some of you have done so, and I'm going to throw some of that. One of the questions that I got, this is from Joshua Pollen. What is the post-Avo move, right? So a little bit of background on this, um, and Guy, you can actually add some color to this. It looks like AVO's performance in SEO has really taken a hit recently. Do you know, Guy, if that has persisted on, on I know you're you're following some of the directory rankings? Yeah, we. so
1: for our data, we track about um, 200 plus primary head term legal keywords. So, you know, personal injury lawyer, category keywords, criminal defense lawyer, lawyer across four major markets. And um, yeah, over the last 365 days, they've... They've basically, from our data, fallen completely off the list for those. In fact, out of the keywords we track, I think they only appear on the first page for one keyword, and it's in like in the ninth or 10th spot. So, no top three positions for any of the keywords in the major markets that we track. But, you know, it's, as we will talk about, it's, it varies from place to place in keyword universe yeah.
0: to keyword universe. Your mileage may vary, right? Depending on right. where you are. So, I, I think a lot of lawyers are feeling this who are advertisers. And Joshua is essentially asking, where do I move my money? What's where is the smart money spent right now? The silence. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm I, I was letting the silence speak for itself because it's a very hard market right now. Today, it's a very very difficult market to figure out where to put your money.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think the other thing too is is what are, are what are we limiting our options to? Are you saying out of every marketing activity you can possibly do, um, you know, I'm I'm big in investing time and money on content production. Uh, there are a lot more people that are open to messages that might be sitting at home, working remotely. They've got podcasts on in the background. They got Facebook popped open in a tab. Being there with message and leadership is more important than ever. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of these lawyers that are you know capturing that audience now and building an audience and creating private Facebook communities and posting video content and doing interviews. And guest posting on podcasts, that's where my money would be invested in. And pushing that on the community side, right?
0: So like, it's not just 10 things to do when you get in a car accident in Sheboygan, right? Right. It's being involved in Sheboygan and, and, and showing that off. That right now, for me, I think we touched on this last podcast. That, for me, is just so—the the opportunity to be really involved in your neighborhood and really involved in your community has never— been more sorely needed uh, than it is today. And I think that's something I would really push. The other thing, and this is, I, I hope my friends uh, at Google don't listen to the podcast. Don't but, worry, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. But Bing advertising, Yelp advertising, all those things where everyone tells me that no one ever looks for a lawyer, in many cases you're wrong, right? If you're in a community where there's a lot of Yelp traffic and it's, it's a big Yelp state, Try advertising on Yelp because Yelp hasn't figured out how to get lawyers to advertise there. And people actually do look to Yelp for advertising. People do use Bing more than you think, even though all of you tell me that you don't. It's in the same way that you tell me you, you scroll right past the ads. And yet we have a multi-trillion dollar online advertising
1: market. Right, and, and you know that's why also at the risk of giving the annoying marketer answer is it depends. Spend money on what's working for you the biggest issue most of the time is is that you don't have systems in place to actually track performance, and so that's that's where I'd spend some time and money is actually ah, making sure call. that I'm you know generating the target return. Uh, and it's not you know as we kind of you and I talk about all the time, it's not the spend a dollar make a dollar. It's spend a dollar make eight dollars or spend a dollar make ten dollars. Obviously, that's going to vary by your firm economics, but um, know, that's that's where I'd spend my money, spend my money, more money on what I contract that's working, or it's achieving an objective, at least, and less money on the stuff that um, isn't meeting my objectives. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point there. I'm going to hijack it a
0: little bit. The spend a dollar, make a dollar. That is the last ditch effort by the salesperson who cannot make quota at the end of the month. One client and it will pay for itself, Guy. Just one client is all you need and it'll pay for this advertising. Doesn't that seem like a great rationale for spending money?
1: <laughs> um, you know, really, it's, it really depends. Like, if it, is it, uh, do you already work up the case or is it a referral? No. I mean,
2: here's right.
0: the deal if you spend $1 to, to make a dollar, that means you're working for me or whoever, right. whoever it is you're spending that dollar with. Right? right. And so I would look at it this way if you spend a dollar and you make $5, this is a really pragmatic way to think about it. That means every Monday you go to work for your marketing people, right? Every Monday, that's 20% cost per client. And that means that you work for your marketing every single Monday. And that's, that, that seems like a great deal for marketing agencies or publishers or places like Google, but it's not a great deal for you guys. And so I'd be really, really careful with how, how these things actually pan out and, and what you're thinking about in terms of what makes sense. Right. And, and
1: how many... You know, it's an interesting one that I always like to ask. It's in the same vein. How many advertising platforms actually help you manage to return on ad spend? Any well, of them? Uh, a great agency will. Right. But if, what about a platform?
0: Well, so this is... I mean, this is... The, I think the, the fair thing is the hard part with legal, especially things like PI, it's very hard to get to that return number within a system, right? That data generally lives well outside of your advertising system. And that's a, that's a hard problem to solve. And there, there are things like Lomatics, Lexicata, Avognite, which we're going to talk about in a second, that have tried to help solve that problem. But if you're, in many cases, you don't know what the return is going to be, you don't know when it's going to happen, and it's difficult to track that client back into your advertising system, that's a really hard problem to solve, right? And a, in my perspective, very biased, but correct, a good agency will try and close that loop for you and a bad agency will just send you things like impressions and bounce rate and ranking reports and so you and by the way gee what is roas 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 we need some more roas that sounds like a bad wine it's a it's a band <laughs> roas
1: <laughs> return on ad spend
0: yeah And so you should be able to talk to your clients, to your vendors, to your marketing spend about your return on ad spend, right? What is this returning? And if if they're not thinking about this, they're not in, it's not a business mindset. They they lack a business mindset. They're thinking about things like click-throughs and impressions and page views per session and stuff like that as opposed to- What about brand awareness, Conrad? We need more brand awareness. (laughs) Lots more. So in all fairness- to get tactical and difficult. Return on ad spend is very easy if you have an advertisement that clicks through to a purchase of a product and there's a price on that product and you know what that is. So if you're selling Fuzzy Bunny Slippers and your Fuzzy Bunny Slippers retail for $39 and you know what the click-throughs are and the funnels are and what the drop-off is and all that part, you can calculate return on ad spend in real time, okay? The reality is in legal services, you have complexities. One is you don't, in many cases, know that revenue. You don't know when that revenue is coming in. And the other really, really difficult part about a lot of marketing is you have this multi-touch attribution problem, right? And so branding is one of those multi-touch situations in which you may put your brand in front of someone 70 times before they actually click through and do anything, right? Or you may uh, initially get them from a, CPC campaign, pay-per-click campaign, and then you advertise them with retargeting and they see 27 impressions and then they finally click through and and then they contact your firm, right? And so it becomes, this is not super straightforward. It's difficult. You have to have some form of modeling around this, but, you know, I don't want to completely poop on branding because as we've seen, it works on television. It works on uh, radio. It works on billboards. It does work on the interwebs, but you're looking at, and and here's my my caveat on branding is, go in big and go in for a long time. And the branding is not something to, don't don't take branding out on a first date. You need to get married to branding for a year. Um,
1: That's a terrible analogy. Be married to branding for a year. And with that, (laughs) let's take a quick break. The message from our sponsor. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866 827 Five five six eight or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. And we are back and Conrad now wants to ignite the passions of the listeners. <laughs> well, so we
0: were we ended this with a discussion about branding, and we just had an experience of branding. And the key of the sponsors here is you're probably not gonna hear this once. And, and connect with the sponsors, right? It is, it is that repeated exposure. It's knowing over and over again, you hear it on this podcast, you might see the advertisements on ESPN.com. You might go to the Pilma conference and see the booth. It is that repeated exposure and law firms have to understand that this branding concept is the repeated exposure. And the more you spend on it, the more it actually returns because it does require many, many touches to be
1: effective. It's 400 images of a Whopper every single day. For, for, it, <laughs> you know, there's a Burger King now, okay. marketing study about that, about how, because they, they, want, they wanted to know, if, I, if we just expose people to a tremendous volume of images of Whoppers, will there be an incremental lift? And there was. Because you get hungry for Whoppers when you see lots of Whoppers, right? I guess. <laughs> it's an old study. Okay. I haven't had a Whopper
0: in years. I haven't now. Now with the whole COVID thing, I don't know the last time you ate out. We have not eaten out at all yeah. for like two or three months. Um, so, uh, side note: in the spirit of being awesome and being local and being engaged, go support your local restaurant people. It is a noble thing to do. As as, as I am sitting here, completely guilty of not having done that. Okay, next feature, Guy. We're going to talk about the news. Two pieces of news I want to cover. We mentioned Avo Ignite and some of those those. Um, tools that are trying to connect a marketing spend to the end client and the revenue that comes out of that. Everyone should know. And, and by the way, we're recording this just before the end of the month. At the end of May, the Avo ignite product is not just being no longer supported, but it is going offline. So if you are using Avo ignite and you're listening to this podcast, you should be scrambling. Gee, I know you have a bit of a, a dog in this hunt, so I'll ask the question to set it up. What are some of the alternatives to the Knight product and what do these products do and why are they useful?
1: HubSpot? Uh, No, seriously. And, you know, full disclosure, as Conrad mentioned, I'm an advisor uh, on Lawmatics and Lawmatics is doing some really great work to uh, help solve this problem. But we're really talking about client relationship management and marketing automation. And so some of the bigger names and, you know, there's even bigger names than these at the enterprise level, but, um, you know, HubSpot comes to mind, ActiveCampaign, but essentially, what they're doing is is they're uh, in various function and feature sets. They're helping you nurture from marketing activity, whether it's a, a paid campaign or organic visits to your website, phone calls through the journey from potential client to client, and then ideally, you're able to actually uh, quantify the value or the fee generated by that record, and then track it back to the money that you spent to acquire it. So you can do things like return on ad spend by campaign or by channel or by source, return on investment in the time that you're spending. So if you spend a lot of time publishing, you could track back you know, how many of my fees were generated from these different activities and then say, this is a good use of my time and money, or this isn't such a good use of my time and money. Another thing that we talk about in this context is nurturing existing relationships. So one of the most untapped resources uh, at most law firms, is your former client list, where you know you represented them in something, and then you're no longer stay in touch with them. Uh, whether that's just a check in on their birthday or wishing them happy Labor Day, these types of uh, CRM tools can help with that stuff too. That's kind of the overlay uh, overview of the of the lay of the land. What do you have to say about CRM, Conrad? Yeah, so I, I think the key here
0: is. You can automate the process of getting to what I consider a very important number, which is cost per client, right? Fees become very difficult. There's a time element. There's an uncertainty with that. And it becomes, especially in PI and even, even things like family, where where the, the initial fee often balloons as as the spouses become more and more embittered.
1: That's a great metric. How do we, so I've never heard of cost per client before. How do you calculate cost per client?
0: Yeah, there's a there's a tool that came out of Microsoft called Excel. There's also calculators. Um, I, here's the here's the key, and I'm being snarky on purpose because it really shouldn't be that hard. You need to be able to track back your newly signed matters on a regular basis, monthly ideally, quarterly at a minimum, back to the marketing channel from where they came. And the caveat here is you do not ask them where they came from because of two reasons. One, it's super, super disruptive, obnoxious to the client. Okay. So, oh, I'm really sorry that you just found your wife in bed with the piano teacher. Um, How'd you hear about us? (laughs) Was that a Google ad? It was was the the piano teacher. Well, yeah, the, the piano, te- well,
1: the piano teacher referred to you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thanks. Thanks piano teacher. Um, no, but like a lot of people are still asking their clients how they found them. Either on a form on the web and they think this is generating good data, but it's not A, it's super intrusive and obnoxious and B, it's never accurate. At best, it is the internet. Right, And the internet is a fairly large place. Last time I looked, there's lots of places for you to spend your money. And the answer the internet does not help you track down where you spent your money to acquire that customer. And, Guy, there's a whole bunch of infrastructure one can put in place to make it very, very easy to actually track this down. So there's dynamic call tracking. There are tools like Lomatics, um, the X-Avril night. CallRail is a great tool that you guys Clio should be Grow. working with. Clio Grow, which used to be Lexicata, which they've... I don't like that they called it Clio Grow. It's its just a weird... I don't know. You're not um, making friends, man. I know. I, I, I would not have... I think my problem here, Guy, is rebranding things is always very difficult. I will tell you this. So the last time we talked, we talked about our our adventures in rebranding Mockingbird as Cockroach to help people know that their job is to survive through the COVID crisis. It was a really, really interesting experience. I would not recommend rebranding. I thought it was going to be really clear that this was just a one-off. Needless to say, you're back to Mockingbird. We went back to Mockingbird because... It was fun. It was different. It was unique. It stood out and it was super confusing to
1: a lot of people. So, here, because I know I can hear listeners typing this into Google right now. What's a good cost per client? So, the answer to that is it depends. See, I've
0: been working <laughs> with lawyers for so long, I can equivocate on anything. So, we're going to go back to that business school answer that Guy and I were talking about earlier in terms of just one client and it will pay for itself. Does that make sense? That's a terrible cost per client because that cost per client literally is 100%. Your return on the just one client and it will pay for itself is zero, right? That is your And no one would ever invest in the stock market where your return was zero. So that's insane. And so You need to think about how much you're willing to spend for that client. Now, you may be a volume shop in PI where you're doing tons of car accident lawyers. You have a lot of lawyers that you're paying as little as you possibly can, and you make it up in volume. On the flip side, you may be a boutique firm that wants that very, very special case, right? And so the answer is very, very different based on your objectives and and how aggressive you want to be and what your economics look like.
1: So um, that's kind of my thought on cost per client got it. Well, I think that's important for people to be thinking about. One other thing that under the listeners ask section that we didn't cover, and I think it also dovetails with some of the other things that you've been seeing floating around the web that I think are newsworthy. It comes from Jim Hacking. What are some of the big marketing mistakes that you see lawyers make? And then, and not necessarily, maybe this isn't one of the biggest mistakes that you see, but connecting that to this idea of Kelly Phillips Herb saying, I received an email explaining this week that I was being unfollowed for being too political. Thoughts?
0: Yeah. So Tax Girl, who's been around for a very long time writing, writing amazingly well about possibly the world's most boring subject, losing followers because she's getting political. And by the way, I read her stuff all the time. This is not political. This is just facts, okay? And so you can see just how amazingly difficult this world is right now, you know, Key, you and I are sitting here talking about, hey, you need to be vocal. You need to be involved in your community. You need to be available and and sharing content. A lot of the content on the web is really dark right now. I mean, we're sitting on the last 48 hours, the racism that's happened very, very prolifically on the web in the last 48 hours is beyond disturbing. Okay. And so the question becomes, I personally find it difficult to be active and involved in the conversation without having a lot of that conversation being political, okay? And for me, well, let me, let me back up a little bit. We've had last night riots in Minneapolis, okay? We've had the George Floyd that the, the issue, the murder, I'll call it murder. Um, I, was, I was trying to select my words carefully there. And I, I started with murder. I went to issue to, to tone it down, but like that's murder. Um, I'll let you lawyers debate whether or not that's actually the case. But if you've watched that video, it is sickening. You have the Amy and Christian Cooper altercation in Central Park. And then this is all colored with a, an election that is just rife with awfulness and everyone has a voice. And so the question becomes for me is, and, and, I have my bias on this. Do you insulate yourself from this conversation, or do you embrace this conversation and 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 gee, I'm wondering where you stand on this. I tend to you know you already know where I stand on this,
1: but um if you don't stand for something, you stand for nothing. um you know here here's kind of my bigger picture on this in general, and I'll tie it back to some of the bigger mistakes that lawyers make because it really this whole subject really hits me on two of them. The first is, big marketing mistake is that your marketing is not about you, the lawyer. It's about your target audience, your potential clients, your existing clients, the people that refer you business, other lawyers in the community, the people who actually care, the consumers of which you're publishing. That's mistake number one is that lawyers tend to, you know, whether they're told by their marketing person or instinctually, they think they need to tell everybody that they see of that how hard they fight and how many years of experience they have and how good grades they got in law school. And how much no money cares. they've won. Right. No, one, How much money <laughs> they've won. Maybe some care about that. In any event, um, it's not about – that's number big mistake number one is it's not about you. It's about them. And in this context, the other thing is is that when you think about it being about them, it's impossible to stand out in a competitive marketplace and be vanilla. And so when you say insulate yourself, you know, the question, like, am I telling you that you need to be, you know, a polarizing figure in your local community? I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if you want to stand out, if you want to take a leadership role, if you want to be a, a knowledgeable and thoughtful and trusted advisor, I don't think that you can just make all of your content either ignore some of these issues that we're facing. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it just, this silence is deafening. Is that a saying? The <laughs> silence
0: is deafening. Uh, I, I'm sure that was Voltaire. Uh,
1: so, so, you know, I've everybody's got that. to find their own comfortability level with with how much they want to engage on these issues. But, you know, certainly... If, especially if you're in a practice that's serving a community that's facing these issues, if you are silent on this, you are not an advocate for your community or for your audience or for your clients. Uh, you know, lawyers are, you know, we can. there are certain lawyers that aren't. You know, if you're a uh, corporate tax lawyer, maybe these aren't the issues that you're uh, taking a lead on. But um, you know, if you're a criminal defense lawyer, if, you're, if you work in the criminal justice system, if you work in the civil justice system, uh, and you serve legal services consumers in your local community. Uh, I don't see how you can be completely blind. Now, I'm also not. And we talked about this a little bit in the prep for this conversation. I'm not suggesting you just become a political hack either. Here, right? That's not take. That's not uh, leadership, right? Well, I think the key here is the hack,
0: right? And and so the the backside of that is like this has to be genuine. You have to be really genuinely committed to something like this in order to get involved. So the hack for me is like, don't become involved because you see it as a marketing opportunity. But I would flip that and say, don't be afraid to get involved because you see that as a marketing liability. And right. my, you know, I just watching, watching the videos that came out this morning of the riots last night. And I'm, I'm sitting there, so this is an extreme level of this. What could you do as an attorney if you're in Minneapolis last night? Are you involved, like at, at the extreme level, are you involved on the streets, involved in the protests with the camera, right? Yeah. By the way, those protests got, my opinion here, way out of hand, um, blah, blah, blah. But are you involved, are you talking to people? Do you have a, you have a better opportunity to talk to people in the community than last night, right? And that is, I feel like lawyers are afraid to do that in many cases. And and here's the thing that's killed me. And by the way, I do not have a JD. I went through my experience working with in the legal industry started in 2006. And I will tell you, I walked in with the same perspective of lawyers that most Americans have which is very negative. And I've had this beautiful insider exposure to the nobility of the legal profession that I don't think Americans understand, okay? But all of you who went into almost all of you who went into law understand that nobility and being involved in the concept of justice right now. It feels to me that you you guys as a, as an industry tend to be afraid to take that position. And yet you are the perfect people who went into this to take that exact position.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, because again, in the, in the mindset of giving listeners an example of someone who I think is doing a, a really remarkable job of of serving in a, a leadership capacity online as a lawyer uh, is Ken White of uh, Popehat. So if you, if you, if you want to look at, for examples, you can look up um, Popehat on Twitter uh, just, you can look for Ken White attorney, uh, he'll come up. Um, and again, you might not share the exact same viewpoints as everything that he publishes. Um, but in terms of taking a leadership role, he's a pretty good example to, that we could all benefit from learning from.
0: And we all know who he is because, and he's been, by the way, Ken's been at this for a decade more. Um, and Marry your so, brand. Exact exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Marry your brand for at least a year. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I mean Pope hat's a great example. There, there are lots of there are lawyers who are very vocal on this stuff. I'm surprised that I, I feel like right now, and and especially like we're going into an election season that's going to be really hard. A lot of people are thinking about these things. I think people are afraid to take a side because you're alienating some of the market and i would just advocate that if you're not really i think you said this just a little bit ago if you're not standing for something you don't stand for anything right and and this is a very easy thing to start standing for
1: yeah and and again you know i i, I think this point also resonates with me you know i'm a 40 something uh white guy you know my maybe my voice on this is not the uh the voice that should be listened to the most but maybe i can be an advocate and get some of the other voices that might you know be lawyers that uh you know, whether they're uh, a lawyer of color or of a uh, underrepresented community, maybe this is an opportunity to be more inclusive in hearing their voices. All right, I just had an idea. And let's
0: let's wrap on this, but let's extend an invitation. I would love to have as a guest on our next podcast, someone who was actively involved and has been very, very close. I, I, the perfect person is an attorney, who was involved in the protest last night. But there are other examples, but that is something I would love to bring someone on to talk about that experience and why they took that step. So if if you know anyone, if you are that person, we would love to talk to you. Find a way to get in touch with me or Guy, and we'd love to have you on as a guest about a Brave Decision where you've been involved with something very recent.
1: There you go. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. As always, uh, love or hate what we said here today, please do go leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite uh, podcasting platform. And if you just stumbled across this uh, episode and actually do want to hear more of it from us, please subscribe to Launch Hour Legal Marketing on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. There's a lot of podcasting platforms these days. There are. There are. And
0: thankfully, you and I don't have to think about it because... This is produced so well. So we just have the easy part. We talk, it gets recorded by amazingly good talent, and then it gets distributed, which is amazing.
1: Thank you. And thank you, Conrad. Hey, thank you. Till next time.
0: Till next time. Hopefully sometime it'll be in person when this COVID thing is all over. I'll wear a mask.